Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Oh, I'm not talking about riding uh, the, the train, but the tracks are what most call life on the tracks. You go, why? For you see, there's an elevated train that runs on a platform above the city streets. Now, these platforms are very narrow with just enough width for two trains to pass by. If a workman was fixing the tracks when both trains were coming, one on each side in the opposite direction, this poor fellow would have no room to avoid the oncoming trains. So here's what they did. What they did is, alongside the tracks, there were a small platform with a railing in its three-foot square, sort of projecting over the street. Now, these platforms were supposed to provide a safe place for those working on the tracks to escape the oncoming train. Workers for the Chicago Transit Authority called these platforms fool catchers. Fool catchers. Can you imagine? You only have a three-foot area to get out of the way of basically oncoming trains of death. And when I thought about the story, I thought, boy, that's pretty foolish. Either whether it's you trying to hijack a police car with both police in it, or what they were, or, or, or getting a job with the Chicago Transit Authority. I wouldn't want to be around a fool catcher. But listen, when we think about our lives, I think we can all agree that at times we've all played the fool, right? You go, I'm not sure what you mean. Well, think about this. You and I in our lives have made decisions that in hindsight we might realize that they were just plain stupid. So as the trains of life come barreling down the life's tracks, we need to remember that God has actually provided a way of escape. You go, what is that? Well, our full catcher, to be quite honest, isn't a three-by-three platform, but it's actually confession. Confession. How so? Well, think about Solomon, okay? Because Solomon, in writing, being the wisest man apart from Christ, he's going to simply contrast tonight foolishness with wisdom. Foolishness with wisdom. You go, yeah, Ben, but that's really what Ecclesiastes is all about. As a matter of fact, um, if you're in our men's group, that's kind of what it's all about. We've been talking about wisdom and folly and wisdom and folly. And so what I decided to do when looking at chapter 10, I've entitled the message, Foolishness is Dangerous. Foolishness is dangerous. Because it's been said about foolishness, the opposite of wisdom is folly. You go, yeah, that's Captain Obvious. But here's what it means. It means the short-term self-indulgent, which marks out a person who doesn't think about long-term priorities, but goals, lives out day-to-day basis, asking, what's the most fun we can do now? Now, before Solomon concludes his message, he thought it wise to remind us again, of the importance of wisdom and the danger of folly. The word fool or folly is used, jot this down, nine times in this chapter. Nine times. With wisdom in the first three verses. So so he's going to really contrast that. Nine times he's going to use foolishness, but then you come back and you say, okay, so where's the wisdom? He's going to contrast this in the first three verses. Then, okay, For the rest of the verses, you have 17 verses. Here's what he's going to do. Jot this down. He's going to, he's going to, uh, apply four different, apply it to four different fools. So he's going to give us three verses of wisdom, and then, and then he's going to apply the, the, the application to, to four different types of fools. And you go, what are they? Well, if you're taking note, jot this down. The first one is, we're going to see the foolish ruler. The foolish ruler. Okay, he's going to contrast that. The second one he's going to contrast is the foolish worker. And we can apply these to our lives, the foolish worker. Now, here's one that we'll, uh, we can all relate to. The third one Solomon's going to relate to is the foolish talker. We have to be careful with what we say. And then he's going to look at foolish officers. So you've got the foolish ruler, you've got the foolish worker, you've got the foolish talker, 
and then you got the foolish officers. Now, we have a lot to unpack, and um, here's the thing, guys. We're not going to be going long tonight. Why? Because this chapter doesn't necessarily need to, to be broken down. I mean, Solomon kind of says it as it is. So let's look at verse 1, the principle of foolishness. Jot that down in your Bible, the principle of foolishness. Look at verse 1 with me. It says, dead flies putrefy the, pu- the um, perfumer's ointment and causes it to give off a foul odor. So does a little folly to one's respected for wisdom and honor. Now, take a moment, okay? Take a moment and look at verse 1. You could just look Solomon and go, seriously, do you have to just, why can't you just say what you mean? And it, Because he uses all of this verbiage and he's like, hey, dead flies putrefied the, the performer's ointment and it causes it to give. And he goes, okay, what is he saying? You ready? It's really simple. He says, he says, when I act foolish, it's like, now check this out, you ready? Not bathing for weeks, working out, sweating, and then going home and trying to put perfume or cologne on to cover up the odor. That's what Solomon just said. Can you imagine? You know, now I just painted a really graphic picture of all of, of, of what it would, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's exactly it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I mean, there you are, week after week, you're not bathing, you're just kind of covered up and you put on a little bit of body spray, slap on some cologne, but you can still, this is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. I'll never forget this because this, this impacted me more than anything. Not the fact that I stink, but the fact that there was a family in Missouri, um, to which I got a, a, a big whiff of, if you, if, if you know what I mean. Um, one day I was having trouble with my computer and one of the kids, uh, said, Hey, this, this younger, uh, kid knows how to work on that. Um, why doesn't, why don't, why don't you come over? And, and so we, I, we invited him over and the kids looked at me like I was crazy. And, uh, we, we brought him downstairs. That's where the computer was in our basement in Missouri. And, uh, my youngest daughter at that point decided to bolt the house. Like, she's like, can I go to my friends? And I didn't understand why. And I was like, um, I guess so. You don't, and she's like, she's out the door. And the other one was like looking at me. And so I'm like, what? What's the matter? And she's like, and I'm like, come on, come on. So he's sitting there with his jacket on and he starts fiddling with the computer. And then, this, you know, the basement's kind of warm. So he starts to take his, he takes his jacket off and I'll t- I kid you not, that odor just kind of hit me in the face like no ever. Boom! And I was like, I literally, I'm not kidding you. I literally said, I'm good. We're good. I'll just take it in. I'm just like, and I, I try to hurry them out the house. Now, see, here's the point. The kids knew about the ki- other kids, how they wouldn't bathe. And I didn't know, and I found out, and they didn't even have cologne or perfume, but I'll never forget that. I'll never forget that. You go, what's the moral of the story? Don't put cologne on if you haven't bathed, okay? Please don't perfume. No, that's not the point. The point is this. It's, this is what he's contrasting to foolishness. He says, listen, here's, when you and I act like a fool, do you know what it looks like? It, it, it looks like we're just, we're just stinky. We're just smelly. And, and in order to cover it up, we put on perfume or cologne. Nobody's going to tell. I smell good, don't I? Oh, oh, this is what he's saying. Now, now again, think about this. Because see, you and I, there are times when we've acted the fool. We've made bad decisions. Oh, oh, oh. He goes on in verse 2 and he says, A wise man's heart is at his right hand, but a fool's heart is at his left. Now, this one needs a little explaining, and you go, why? Well, in the ancient world, church, listen, the right hand was the place of power and honor. Jesus went up to the right hand of God. You're like, okay. But in the ancient world, the left hand, guys, the left hand represented weakness and rejection. Weakness and rejection. Many people considered the left side to be unlucky. As a matter of fact, check this out. The word sinister, sinister, comes from the Latin word that means on the left hand. I have a question. 
How many of you are left-handed in here today? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding, Keon. It's, it's okay. Um, yeah, sinister. No, no, but that's what the word means. That's what the word means. So in other words, since fools don't have wisdom in the heart, he gravitates to that which is wrong and gets in trouble. This is what Solomon's saying. And he's going to illustrate it in the next verse. Look at verse 3. He says, even when a fool walks a long way, he lacks wisdom. And he shows everyone that he is a fool. Listen to the way the ESV says, even when a fool walks down the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone, he's a fool. He's a fool. Think about this, guys. Put on your thinking caps right. Because this just blows me away. This just blows me away. You go, okay, Ben, what is Solomon saying? Even when a fool walks along the way, he lacks wisdom. Well, let me just see if I can illustrate it this way. Tonight, when Bible study's over, and you get in your car, and maybe you're going to head out, and you get on I-27, either way, or you might go on to Loop 289, whatever it might be. And there you are driving home, and you see a man walking right down the middle of the road. What would you think? You know something's wrong. Here I am in Luke 289, and here's a guy just walking. It's like, oh, whoa, whoa, right away you would stop. What's the matter? Now, let's even take it a little more. What if you saw the man right down the middle of the road, and and now he's skipping, if you will, down the middle of I-27, you go, there's something real. Can you imagine? Da, 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 right in the middle of I-27, right in the middle. You guys know, come on. You would look and go, there's something really wrong. What would you do? Immediately you'd be on the phone. Hey, this guy's going to get hurt. He's going to get, this, he's, there is something wrong with this guy. This is what we would think. So on the right away, you're calling the cops. You're calling an ambulance, whatever it might be. Because in your mind, you're saying something is wrong. But let's roll a a little bit deeper level. Solomon says, you want to know who the fool is? The fool is a man who intends or pretends he's indestructible and that he stands at the center of the universe. He says, that's a fool. That's a fool. Think about it. Can you imagine... Sometimes man will sit there and go, I am the king of my castle! Or they'll feel like they're the center of the universe. But think about this for a second. If you were to get on an airplane and you hit 30,000 feet, when you have that perspective, you realize very quickly that you are insignificant. No kidding. The world, the oceans are so much bigger than you. Can you imagine? There you are, and everything is just like, wow. Everything is so big. And for you to stand up and go, I'm the center of the universe, Solomon says, that's foolish. That's foolish. And everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. So again, think about, think about this. He starts off with just great wisdom. He says, dead, you know, dead flies, oh, he says, don't do that. Don't, 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 don't. That, you want to know what foolishness is? Foolishness is working hard, working out, smelling, sweating, weeks upon weeks on end, and then putting perfume or cologne to try to cover that up. He goes, that's foolish. And everybody goes, hey man, you're right. You're right. You're right. And he says, and by the way, you know what a foolish guy is? Is when he when he decides to go skipping through I twenty seven in the middle of the freeway, cars and and big trucks running by. That's foolishness. Come on, he's going to end up dead. He's foolishness. And of course, he goes even deeper and he says, "You want to know what foolishness is? It's the guy who thinks he's the center of the universe." And in all reality, he's insignificant. And so, what Solomon's going to do, guys? What Solomon's going to do is he's going to um, he's going to. How, this is how he he applies it. So he laid down the principle of foolishness. He laid it down, and so now he's going to apply it. Okay, who's he going to apply it to? 
the very first person he's going to apply it to, if you're taking note, is the ruler. The ruler. Okay? So whenever you have a ruler, what's what's one of the common denominators of of a ruler? It's the proud rulers, guys who are proud, proud, okay, proud. And Solomon's going to come back. He's going, okay, let's talk about the proud ruler. Let's talk about that. Okay, verse four. He says, if the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post, for conciliation pacifies great offenses. Can I get an amen? You don't know what it means, do you? You're like, no, but amen. Here's what he says. You ready? If your boss is angry with you, don't quit. Why? Because a quiet spirit will quiet his bad temper. That's what Solomon just said. Every one of us is in the room, if we've ever had a boss and we've ever had a tyrant as a boss has been yelled at, for no reason at sometimes. Now, if you've given him a reason, you know, if you're not doing your job and you're really and he's really frustrated with you, that's one thing. But but Solomon says, listen, your boss comes in angry, he's having a bad hair day, and he's yelling at you, and and what he says is he says, Man, just he says, have a quiet spirit. Have a quiet spirit. See, we've all had bosses like this. And some of us let it get the best of us and we go, Well, that's it, man. I no, he's not gonna talk to me like that. I quit. I'm at, he goes, no, 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 let, let your quiet spirit, and it'll quiet his bad temper. Why? Because here's the thing, if you sit there quiet and, okay, yes, sir, yes, sir. Even if he's wrong, yes, sir, yes, sir. What's he going to argue with? He can't argue if you're not arguing with him. So that's what Solomon says. Okay, so, so he says, he says, if the spirit of the ruler rises against you, oh, that boss. He says, don't leave your post. Stay there. Stay there. Do a good job. Do a good job. So you have the proud ruler who's going to come in, but it's foolishness. And he says, okay, so this is how we apply it. You ready? And then you have the pliable ruler. The pliable ruler. In verse 5, he says, there is an evil that I've seen under the sun. Oh, yeah, what is it, Solomon? It's an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, while the rich sit in a lowly place. I have seen servants on horses, while princesses walk on ground like servants. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We, we, we talked about the proud servant. We talked about the proud ruler, okay? He's the one that comes in, and he's proud, and he's, I'm the boss, and now you're going to do everything my way. And we all have those bosses, and we all have those teachers, and we all have all those, but we also have the pliable, the pliable ruler. And this is the one that Solomon just says, listen, a ruler can be proud and pliable. If he's pliable, what Solomon just said, he's also a fool. Why? Because he says, this fellow lacks character and courage. What Solomon just told us through the power of the Holy Spirit, he says, he's putting fools in high places and qualified people in low offices. He's a pliable ruler. As a matter of fact, let me illustrate it this way. You can turn there if you want to. If not, that's okay. Let me tell you a story. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter 12, Solomon has passed away, and Rehoboam, his son, has taken over. It says that Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. So you had Solomon, you had Rehoboam, the country of Israel is divided. You have the northern tribes and you have the southern tribe. And here's what he says. Check this out. Can you imagine? This is a pliable ruler. Okay? It says here, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel had gone to Shechem to meet him, uh, to make him king. So it happened when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, not brothers, okay? So you have Rehoboam, you have Jeroboam, they said, when he heard, because he was still in Egypt, for he had fled from the presence of the king, Solomon, he had been dwelling in Egypt. When he heard, oh, Solomon's dead, I can come back, that he sent and called him. Then Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel came and spoke to Rehoboam. What did he say? He said, your father made our yoke heavy. Now, therefore, lighten the burdensome service of your father, his, and his heavy yoke, which he put on us, 
and we will serve you. Here's his plea. Hey, man, get off my back. Let me just, we'll serve you. Hey, hey, okay, okay. This is what he said. And so Rehoboam looks and he and he um, just looks his whiskers a little bit. And he says, hey, how about this? How about this? He said, depart from me for three days and then come back. And they departed. Let me think about it. Let me Let me think about this. You guys come in, you go, hey, listen, we'll serve you, but you, your, your burden's too hard, you know, the job's too much, you guys, you're always on my case, you got these taskmasters, they're whipping us, come on, man, chill, and we'll serve you with, with gladness. Let me think about this, three days, let me think about this. Then King Rehoboam consulted the elders, oh, good job, there you go, who stood before his father Solomon while he still lived, and he said, how do you advise me on how to answer these people. Great, great advice. Hey, I'm going to go to the elders. I'm going to say, hey, what do you think? What do you think about this? This is, what this is what they've asked me. I think it's great advice, okay? And the people, notice, and they spoke to him. Here's their advice. And I will, he says, saying, if you will be a servant to the people today and serve them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. That's what you should do. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's what you should do, Rehoboam. Treat them like people. Take care of them. Bless them. And they'll serve you forever. They won't rebel against you. This is good. Rehoboam, this is good counsel. We did this for Solomon. It's good counsel. But Rehoboam rejected the advice which the elders had given him. And what did he do? He consulted with the young men who had grown up with him. So he stood before them and he said, What advice do you give? How should I answer the people who have spoken to me, saying, Lighten the yoke which your father had had put on us. So what does he do? He goes to his buds. He goes to his friends. Hey, hey, you're good. Let me gather my buds around. Hey, man, we grew up together. Hey, we got we kicked it together. What, hey, what do you think? They're coming to me. I, I've heard from the elders. But man, they're a bunch of old fogies. They, eh, what do you think? What do you think? Okay. Then the young men who had grown up with him spoke and said, Thus you should speak to these people who have spoken to you, saying, Your father made our yoke heavy. Saying, Your father made our yoke heavy, but you make it lighter on us. Thus you shall say to him, Ready? My little finger shall be thicker than my father's waist. And now, whereas my father put a heavy yoke on you, I will add to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king directed, saying, Come back to me on the third day. Well, hold on, hold on a second, Ben. So the elders over here were like, Hey, listen, you don't, you don't, you just, just take care of them. They're going to serve you. Make sure you treat them as people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold that, hold that thought. Hey, hey, man, what do you, what do you think? What do you, what do you, what should we do? Oh, man, you know what? Listen, you need to put it, you need to put the hammer down on them a little bit harder. If Solomon did this, you should take it to the next level. That's what his friends told him. And so now the people, Rehoboam comes back. Guys, think about this. Rehoboam comes back. So, okay, so what, what, what do you think? What, what's going on? Then the king answered the people roughly and rejected the advice of the elders given him. And he spoke to them according to the advice of the young men, saying, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will chastise you. I will add you to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, but I will chastise you with scourges. So the king did not listen to the people, for the turn of events was from the Lord, and he might fulfill his words, which the Lord spoke to Ahijah, the, Shil- the Siloite, to Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. Now when all Israel saw that the king, notice, did not listen to them, the people answered the king, saying, What share shall we in David? What share have we in David? We have no inheritance with the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel! Now see to your own house, O David. So Israel departed to the tents, but Rehoboam reigned over the children of Israel who dwelt in the cities of Judah. Then, the, then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, who was in charge of the revenue, 
but all Israel stoned him with stones and he died. Therefore, King Rehoboam mounted his chariot in haste to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel has been in rebellion against the house of David to this day. Rehoboam was a proud and pliable ruler. I think there's some great application for you and I as fully devoted followers of Jesus. And that's one thing is that when we look at people, like we learned on Sunday, remember, we need to look at people and remember God is still doing a work in them. We need to encourage people. We need to love people back to life. We need to, we need to, to, to love them. We need, there, there's sometimes there's tough love. There's all of these things, but we never want to put a heavier yoke upon them. Like Rehoboam did. What happened? All of Israel rebelled, but they came and said, listen, can, can, can we be one? Nope. He listened to who? The proud, the pliable, the foolish. It's foolish. It's folly. And so Solomon goes, hey, there's an evil that I've seen under the sun, okay? An error proceeding, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in what? In great dignity, foolishness. What is it? He says, man, the rich, the powerful, they sit in lowly places. I've seen servants on horses while princesses walk on the ground. That, guys, first and foremost, is the foolish ruler. But he's going to apply it again. He's going to say, but not only that, there's the foolish worker. Foolish workers. Okay? Now, what we need to understand in verses 8 through 11, that some Bible students, and I'm just telling you this, have not agreed to what Solomon's point is on this section. Meaning, some of the believers he was teaching that have jobs do have occupational hazards. But I go back and I said, remember the context that we're doing this. Remember what context that Solomon is teaching. He's teaching on foolishness. So my belief is that Solomon is describing people, listen to me, who attempted to do their work and suffered because of foolishness. Suffered because of foolishness. Why? They were not paying attention to details of their job and it rendered them hurt. And this is what he's going to talk about. And I can understand that because I remember being a fool at one of my jobs. One of my jobs. I was just a kid, but I get it. I understand what he says. I'll never forget, I'll never forget, I was working at, at first supermarket. I was in the produce department, and we were in transition, and I remember my boss, if you will, was not much younger than me. He was kind of, he was kind of maybe, maybe a year older or about the same age, but he had been there longer, so he was in charge of the produce. We didn't have a produce manager at the time, but we're young. And I'll never forget, we were going to unload a truck, and you guys remember the two dollies that you had to push like this, and it lifted up the pallets, and, and so, what did we used to do? We used to ride them like skateboards in the store, you know, we'd be going through. And we'd be riding them, and, and, and we'd, we'd bring in the pallet and put it there, and then we'd go riding there. Nobody in the store. It's early morning, but there we go. Until, there I was, just having a great time, flying through the store, and the district manager just comes right around the corner. And I think about it now. I should have been fired. And I was like, oh, 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 not, not, not the store manager, guys. The, this is the guy with the, you know, the tie and the suit. And he walked in with the clipboard and everything. And there I am, all having to fight. Hey. Someone says, that's foolish. Now, I didn't get hurt. And he didn't fire me, but let me see. I just, I never got a promotion at that point. I wonder why. I was, I was on the, I was, yeah, yeah. But, but Solomon's going to say, let's, let's talk about foolish workers. Let's talk about foolish workers. Look at verse eight with me. He says, he who digs a pit will fall into it. And whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. He who quarries stones may be hurt by them, and he who splits wood may be endangered by it. 
If the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. But wisdom brings success. A serpent may bite when it is not charmed. The babbler is no different. Okay? You go, what's Solomon saying? Guys, it's really simple. He says, when you have a job, pay attention to your job. In other words, don't take your job for granted. This is how I always do it. This is, I'm good at it. He says, you need to pay attention. And, and I think about this, I think about this as an airline pilot. An airline pilot goes out and he makes sure everything, he, he goes through the steps. Can you imagine? He's taught how to do the steps. He goes through, he checks this, he moves around, and, and he checks all the instruments before taking off. And, but foolishness would be, oh, I take it for granted. Somebody did it. It's good. Let's go. And he takes off only to crash. And he says, think about this. He who digs a pit could fall into it. That's why he tells us, too, that there's always better to have two. Two workers, okay? If I'm digging the pit and I get hurt and I fall into it, who's going to pick me up? Who's going to help me out? I could be really, really hurt inside a big pit. Think about this, and I don't know how if you've ever had to break. Can you imagine if you're doing construction, you're breaking through a wall, and in the wall there's a den of snakes, and and you could be attacked. You, I mean, that's this is what he's saying. He's saying, be careful. Be careful. Now, husbands, don't look at your wife and say, see, that's why I don't do anything at home. I don't know. I could be bitten by a snake. You just, you just got to be, well, let somebody else do it. No, 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 no. He says, pay attention to the details. What he's telling us, now think about this, guys. Think about this. He says, he who quarries stones may be hurt by them. That's Captain Obvious, isn't it? Because stones could fall on you and so forth. He who splits wood may be endangered. If you've ever chopped wood, you have to be careful. You have to be. Can you imagine? There goes the axe. <laughs> oh, <laughs> four! You know, you just want to hit somebody in the head. I mean, he says, you got to be careful. And then he says something very interesting that I find. Ready? And this is great application for us. You ready? He says, if the axe is dull and one doesn't sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength. Okay? Really simple. If you're not getting enough rest, if you're not, if you're not really resting and recouping, then really your job suffers. Your job suffers. You go, well, no, it's, it's, it talks about an axe. No, 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 but the principle is clear. It says you need to refresh. You need to, that's, this is why the Lord desires us to have a Sabbath. We call it a day off, but in our day off, we do more on our day off than we actually do at work. And so it's not a Sabbath. He, he requires us to rest so that you can be better. Better at your job, better at your wife, better husband. All of these things, the principle is clear. But see, we're so good at burning the midnight oil. We're so good at burning the candle at both ends that we're no good to anybody. And what he says, he says, man, you've got an axe and you don't, you don't take time to sharpen it. What's it going to take? It's going to take more time and more energy. You're going to be so wasted and you're not going to get any farther. The guy's going to beat you. The guy that took time to... Sh- okay, so the question is, the question is, are you sharpening your axe? Are you sharpening your axe? You go, what does that mean? Well, let's talk marriage for a minute. Are you sharpening your axe in marriage? You go, I'm not sure what that means. Are you dating your husband? Are you dating your wife? Before you were married, you were all up, all dating. Hey, I can't wait. It's like, oh, look at me. Glow and everything, all nine yards. And now it's like, yeah, I've been married a long time. She already knows. Yeah, that's what we do. Are you going to go like that? Well, what's wrong with this? You know, I mean, we but we we got to take time, guys. We got to take time to sharpen our marriages. We got to take time. You got to work hard. Okay. If one doesn't sharpen the edge, man, it's going to take a lot more strength. Work hard at that. Are you sharpening your axe? How about your walk with God? How about your walk with God? 
a lot of us in our walks with God, we like to put it on cruise control. See, we got our, we got it going, and we sit here, and we go cruise, and it's good, and it's good. And so, but but do that for a little while and see what happens. And your and your walk becomes just kind of kind of dull. And, and if you're being honest, you're saying, oh, "Man, I don't I don't know if God really speaks to me." Guys, there's a danger in the Christian walk. There's a danger in the Christian walk to just do enough biblically to check the box and not get anything out of what God wants to do. He's not, we're not listening to Him. Yeah, but I had my quiet time. What did you do? I read my Bible. What did you read? Oh, no, it's just a, I read my Bible. I read my Bible. Church, I know people who have read the Bible cover to cover, year after year, and nothing's changed them inside. They're sharpening their axe. Just reading the Bible. Make sure for us, church, make sure for us that the Bible is not just black letters on a white page, but that we're diving in and we're saying, God, what do you have for me here? How, how does this, you know, is your axe sharpened? But wisdom brings success. A serpent may bite when it's not charmed, but a babbler is no different. You go, what's the overall, what is he saying when it comes to a foolish worker? You ready? It's better to work smarter than harder. It's better to work smarter than harder. But then we move into the next one. Very interesting, because, because that's our work life, but what about, what about what he talks next? He goes, what about the foolish talker? The foolish talker. Look at verse uh, 12 with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. Thank you, Solomon. But the lips of a fool shall swallow him up. Okay? So what's he saying? Solomon steps back for just a moment. He says, man, I've talked about the foolish ruler. Okay? You know the foolish ruler. He says, but now we've talked about the foolish worker. He doesn't pay attention. He's not into details. He just takes things for granted. ends up hurt. He says, but what about what we say? What about what we say? Okay, Solomon, what are, you, what are you saying? He says, the words of a wise man, man, they're gracious. He says, but let's contrast that. The lips of the fool shall swallow him up. You go, what does it mean, swallow him up? What does it mean? That his talk is destructive. Destructive. A fool blurts out whatever is on his mind and doesn't stop to consider who might be hurt by it. A fool. Well, let me just tell you what I think. Really? Take a moment to think before you speak. Take a moment to think. Now, I understand. I get it. There are times we, we're upset. Their emotions are running high, whatever it might be, and you blurt out something that you really don't mean. And you're just like, oh, I didn't really mean that. But here he's saying that, that his talk is destructive. The NIV renders this, the fool is consumed by his own lips. His own lips. See, the contrast would be the wise man. The wise man's mouth. That man, speaking words of graciousness and encouragement and love. Man. says, but... So, what about our what about our tongue? Is is think about your attitude even before you speak? Well, I don't care. I don't care who hears it. I've got to say what I've got to say. That's not that's not the characteristics of a believer. A characteristic of a believer is man. A wise man's mouth. Think. Think. Okay. Mm. See, it goes on in verse 13. Notice Solomon says, The words of his mouth begin with foolishness, and the end of his talk is what? Raving madness. In other words, first of all, his tongue, his talk is destructive, but the second part, guys, see here? His talk is unreasonable. It's unreasonable. 
In other words, think about this. What he says doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. The longer he talks, the crazier it becomes. Okay? I mean, I mean, it's just like, wow. Solomon goes, hey, listen, listen, there's, there's foolish talking. And there's times when your words are destructive. Do you remember that old adage, right? We used to say it when we were kids. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But they actually do. Words can be very destructive. I'll never forget the story of a young kid who grew up in where his stepfather, all of his life told him that he didn't, wouldn't amount to anything, that he was not going that he was just a loser, da, 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 da. and he didn't realize until he, he got into high school that this kid was a genius. But all of his life, he kept listening to what other people would say, and it was just that destructive. And he's like, oh. and then he had to get to the point where he said, I can't listen to that anymore. That's not true. But my point is, I don't want to be on the other end of, of, of what I say. I don't want to be on the other end of, I have to be careful. My wife always say, if it's true, I shouldn't say. And sometimes if it's true, we shouldn't say. Because it might hurt someone, even if it is truth. Well, no, I'm not going to pander to people. I'm going to tell them the truth. Okay, I get that. But here's what Solomon says. Solomon says, he says, be careful because sometimes our words are real destructive. They're not, they're not encouraging. They're not building up. They're actually tearing down. And he says, and as a matter of fact, he says, the foolish guy, the foolish guy, Man, the longer he talks, the more it doesn't make any sense. Like, what are you saying? I don't know if any of you have ever gotten into an argument with a foolish person when they're talking, and the more they talk and the more they get angry, and they're not even making sense. And you're like, calm down, it's, this is crazy. Well, Solomon continues, right? He's, he's really one, he says, the fool also multiplies words. Think about this. No man knows what is it to be. Who can tell him what will be after him? Who can tell him what it will be after him? His words are uncontrolled. The fool is full of words without realizing he's saying nothing. You know what pops into mind? You know what pops into mind? Social media. Right, you post something on there, and 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 you'll have people go on a rant, and they they don't even realize they're not making any sense anymore. But they but they want to crit, and they'll and I mean it's just like they're uncontrolled. Oh, I've got to say something, you know. And they realize you're not really saying anything, or or better yet, you're not saying anything that somebody else hadn't said. Where does that come from? That comes from pride, saying I need to say something. So I need to be heard. And it's like, really? Really? Now, don't look at me that way because when there's, a, when there's something going on social media, you guys all go down to the comments too. You want to see what people are saying. You're, you're a comment reader all the way down. Okay. Think about what Proverbs, um, think about what Proverbs 10, 19 says. Joseph's going to put it up there. He says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. I have to be careful because because I'm up here and 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 you know what? In the multitude of words, I mean, I can sin. I can sin. I really respect and love those that when I ask a question, they take a moment to think about it before they answer me. Pastor Bill Gem is a really really good at that. I'll be, we'll be hanging out at a conference or I'll be talk, and I'll ask him a question. It could be a simple conference. It could be a question about leadership. It could be a question about, hey, how did you do this? Or what do you think about this? Or, and he'll go, mm, and he'll just be quiet for a second. And you know he's thinking, how do I answer this? How's the best way to answer this? And I'll tell you why. Because there are times in our lives that we have to guard this little thing. And 
when it comes out, you can see your words coming out and you know they're hurting somebody and you want to rewind very quickly. Oh, and it's too late. It's too late. You know what James says? James says a man who can control his or her tongue is able to discipline his entire body. Wow. Wow. Well, it goes on. Look at, look, at, look at verse 15. The labor of fools wearies them, for they do not even know how to go, in, go to the city. He says, his words are boastful, guys. Listen, there, there's a bit of humor here. And you go, well, how so? The fool boasts about his future plan and wearies people with words, but he can't even find his way into the city. You go, Pastor, what's your point? Ready, jot this down. In Bible times, the cities were so well marked that any traveler could find his way. And Solomon goes, you know what the fool is like? He's so busy talking about the future that he loses his way to the present. He's so busy talking about the future that he loses his way in the present. I think that's great wisdom there, don't you? We need to be so careful in our walks, guys, that we're not so... And what about... And, and, and we live from event to event. Okay, what happens after this? And then in the springtime, and I've got this and I've got this, that we're so busy looking forward that we forget to be here in the moment. But I don't know if Solomon would knew what kind of predicament we would be with social media and such. I don't know if he knew that. So I'm going to stand over here, way over here, because it's my opinion, and you guys know this. I said, and, and I think it's a danger for all of us, so I want to exhort you, be careful that you're not so busy looking at everybody else's future on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok that you're not in the moment here. Be careful. I've heard Simon Sinek, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but Simon Sinek, he's an he's a entrepreneur, and he does a... He does a uh, uh, TED Talks and everything, and he says, he says, let me show you something. He says, if I, if I had my phone right here and I'm talking to you and I'm doing a lecture right here, but I have my phone, are you the most important person in the room right now? You go, no, this is. See, even though I'm holding it and I'm talking to you, you're going, no, he's, he's looking at it. Oh, wait a minute, I got a text. Who, who is it? You know? And so he goes, okay, so here's what we do. We go, we put it in our back pocket, but we still have it here. And I get it, because I'm guilty of this. But, but the thing that ministered to me in that sense is that we have to get to the place where I'm not tied to this, that I miss this. I have to get there. And what I do at dinner time, guys, and you do too, is we'll take it and we'll put it on the table. And even if we turn it this way, it's still on the table. Got to be careful. Again, think about this, guys. This, has, this is not what, what God's Word says, per se, but he's saying the fool is so busy talking about the future that he loses his way in the present. And we miss things. We miss things. So think about this. Think about your words. Are they destructive or are they encouraging? Are they unreasonable? Are they uncontrolled? This is what he's saying. And are the words boastful? Are they boastful? You know, the labor of fools worries, wearies them, for they don't even know how to go to the city. Solomon's like, God, you ready? You talk too much. You talk too much. You just... You just now, I know none of us have ever been with somebody who just talks too much and you're just like, oh, my goodness. It's wearisome, isn't it? It's wearisome. Solomon is going to end up, guys, talking about the foolish officers. So he's already described the foolish rulers, and now he exposes the folly of the officers who work under those rulers. Look at verse 16. He says, woe to you, O land. When your king is a child, and your princesses feast in the morning. 
Blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles, and your princesses feast at the proper time, for strength and not for drunkenness. Okay? He's saying foolishness is not in those officers who are full of indulgence. Indulgence. He says, wow, blessed are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobles, and your princesses feast at the proper time for strength and not for drunkenness. So what is foolish? What would the foolish officers do? O land, when your king is a child and your princesses feast in the morning. It's like, you still got all day to go. You still got all, you, you know, you're feeding them at the wrong time. You're not, you're not getting them and, 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 and it's foolishness. There's an Old Testament story where, where the king said, where nobody's going to eat. Nobody's going to eat until we capture our, nobody's going to eat. And they were all weary and tired. They were battle weary. And they had to obey the king or, or, or face being killed. And it's silly. It's foolish, right? Because your soldiers need energy. They need energy. He goes on in verse 18 and he says, Because of laziness, the building decays. And through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Okay? So first we have the foolishness of indulgence, but now we have the foolishness of incompetence. And because of laziness. Through idleness. The hands of the house leaks. Yeah, 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 I'll fix it. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, no, I'll get to that. Hey, I'm just, can I just relax for a minute? And he says, listen, here's what's happening. Everything around you is what? It's falling apart. Everything. Now, again, Solomon's principle is what? He's talking about. He's talking about the, the foolish officers, but let's take that principle and let's just let's apply them to our lives, guys. Maybe not so much buildings or houses, but relationships. Relationships. It takes work to build relationships. Not laziness, not idleness. It takes work. It takes work. What do we what 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 are we doing? Oh, you know, I think about this. I think about, about you know, just working hard in your marriage and in your relationships and, and not being lazy in them. Not being lazy. It, 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 it gets all too... Listen, listen, it gets all too easy... I'll call my wife up or I'll text her and say, hey, do you want to go on a date? And she says, I'd love to go on a date. So Friday night is our date night. But it used to be when we went on a date, it was like it was, she knew she was dated. You know what I'm saying? We'd do all kinds of fun stuff. And now we get to the point where it's like, oh, we go to dinner, we go home, and we're just like, okay, that was dating. And, and I get it, we're tired, but, but that could be laziness too. It could be laziness. It could be idleness. It's the house, everything around you is, is, is leaking. Everything else is breaking. Verse 19. Solomon writes, A feast is made for laughter, and wine makes merry. But money answers everything. He says, Do not curse the king, even in your thought. Do not curse the rich, even in your bedroom. For the bird of the A may carry your voice, and a bird in flight may tell the matter. Okay? I love this one. Why? Here's some great application. You ready? Oh, this one's, this one's going to hurt. He says, listen, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to enjoy life. Okay, I'm telling you right now, listen to me. I want you to enjoy your life. I'll tell you why. The Lord gave me an epiphany the other day when, when we had taken Nathalie to get her blood work at the oncologist. Okay, the Lord gave me an epiphany. I'm sitting there and I'm watching, 
I'm watching people, and, and most of them are sick, but there was one who caught my attention, and he's in a wheelchair, and I know he's getting ready to do chemo, and I know he's really, really sick. I could tell. And he's just you could just tell he's sick. And I could tell by his face, and I'm watching him, and I'm not saying anything, and I'm watching him, church, and I'm thinking he wants to get back to that life he once had. He wants to get back to, and I was sitting there going, wow. And then I wondered how many people really took Solomon's advice and was enjoying life to the fullest. Like, like they were bubbly and they were excited and they had friends and it was just like, yeah, this is amazing. Oh, and then I got sick, so I'm really, I know what it was like to have really just enjoy my life. And so I really want to work back to get that because I just savored every moment of life. And I thought, you know what? Not the majority of them are not like that, are they? They were living a, a life that wasn't, that, that wasn't a blessing. They were living a life that was just probably mundane and sad and thing, and then and so they got sick, and so they're going to hurry up and get back to. You see, Solomon tells you and I, as believers, enjoy your life. He's got it all under control, and I'm begging you because I'm struggling with that. It's like, man, I need to enjoy. Oh, but oh, but but I got oh, and it's like, listen, listen, God's going to take care of all of that. He's going to he's going to take care of all of that. Just. Here he says, he says, man, feast makes for laughter. Let's just laugh. Let's just have. And I realized I realized that that day when Natalie was getting her blood work, I was like, I need to do what Solomon says. I could get sick. And I could try really, really hard, and I'm going to fight because the sanctity of life that God has put in me, I'm going to fight really hard. So I'm telling you, church, enjoy life. Enjoy your life. Okay? Look for the blessing in everything, in every circumstance. Look for it. Look for it. Call it out. But he says something else. He says, verse 20, this is key. You ready? Don't curse the king, even in your thought. Don't curse the rich, even in your bedroom. For the bird of the A may carry your voice, and a bird in flight may tell the matter. What's he saying? Don't gossip. Well, we're in our bedroom. We're just, we're laying there and we're holding hands. And we go, you know what? You know what I think of so-and-so? What did Solomon say? He goes, hey, don't do that. Why do you think, guys, why do you think he said, don't curse the king even in your thought? You go, because Solomon was king? Okay, I get that. Like, don't. But he says, here's why. Because what happens with our thoughts, they move to our hearts and they become actions. Oh, that boss of mine. Oh, that wife of mine. Oh, that husband of mine. Oh, that child of mine. Oh, the, and, and, and what happens, guys? And then, and then you're sitting there and he says, and he says, hey, listen, um, don't curse the rich. Even if you're alone in your room, don't. He says, what if a little birdie? I don't know. A bird in flight may tell the matter. Kind of reminds me of Twitter. We put it on there, don't we? Got to be careful. Enjoy life, guys, but don't gossip. Don't gossip. So what's Solomon saying? He's saying as we close, he says, he says foolishness is dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Foolishness is dangerous. I mean, think about all that he said. He said, man, okay, okay. Um, we got, we got foolish what? We got the foolish rulers. Man. And we got the foolish workers. We got the foolish talkers. And we got the foolish officers. He says, but let me contrast that. He says, be wise. Be wise. Ask God for wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. 
I don't want to be foolish, Lord. I want to follow you. Thank you, Solomon, because I don't ever want to smell, stink, and try to cover it up. That's foolish. And if I'm ever trolloping and skipping in the middle of I-27, please pick me up and take me somewhere safe, because that's foolish. Oh, that's Pastor Ben. Are you kidding me? Lord, please. And last, last but not least, guys, do me a favor. Two things. Ready? Sharpen your axe. Sharpen your axe. Do those things and enjoy life. Amen. Father, tonight, thank you, Lord, that foolishness is dangerous. And you tell us it's dangerous, Lord. People can get hurt from it. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you that we can worship you and that we can bless you. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.